Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. That's, that's a good place to start the podcast edit, by the way. <laughs> I don't have any friends. Welcome to the Play On Review here on Insta Live. <laughs> I am Rana Hussain. We did this already, but I will remind you that I'm Rana Hussain and you're Gemma Bastiani. And we're going to talk about round five. We are halfway through. Uh, but of course, this review will also be up online and you can get them however you get your podcasts. Let's dive in because we've had a lot of chat up, <laughs> up top. And I actually just want to clear the decks. Do we have to talk about any other games? I'm, I'm really happy to just talk about this one and leave it at that. I almost it was after, an interesting game. It was an interesting game. After Friday night, I was like, I don't, I'm done now. This is, that was it. That was the grand final and, and we're out. That's sort of what happened to me. And we're out. <laughs> of course, I'm talking about Geelong versus Richmond. On Friday night at GMHBA Stadium, I went straight from your house to Cadinia Park. Don't lie, because you forgot your accreditation on Friday as well and had to go home. Yes, it's becoming a thing. And I leave them at the door too, and I still forget them. So it's it's a problem. My mum will vouch for how forgetful I am. Uh, so, yes, I had to dash home quickly. And then I listened to Beyonce's Homecoming the whole way down the highway and sang and danced as I drove all the way to Kidinia Park. And I feel like I can take a little bit of credit for that win because I just the vibes that I brought to the ground. (laughs) Let's, I mean, I, I'm can't believe how not up I am for this because this is an incredible night. Geelong Richmond finally won their first ever game of AFLW ever in history. I mean, I can't tell you how big a deal this is. I mean, I know everybody knows, but as someone who works at the club, who understands what the history of the club means to people who love that club, for this now to be part of that is so huge. And Peggy O'Neill, when they launched this women's side last year, talked about the history of women playing football in Richmond in a Richmond jumper, which does actually go back quite a bit. Um, there were kind of exhibition games that were played back in the day. There's black and white film of women playing in Richmond jumpers. And yes, it was like a bit of a novelty, but to finally have um, a win from the Richmond women's side, it's just, it's an incredible feeling. And I'm beaming as I talk about it. The score yes, was two, <laughs> score was two one thirteen to Richmond's nine six. Um, I'm going to say watching this game, it felt like Richmond had more of the ball. They basically won every metric really, right? Almost. Um, Yeah. Stats-wise. Basically. Um, 
But I think more than, and I know that I love stats and that's my thing, but I think more than just stats is the chemistry that they had as a team didn't exist last year. It just wasn't there. This year we've been seeing it and that's where a lot of the improvement has come from and they were able to get that connection sorted, you know, granted against a weaker opponent, but they still put in the the really strong performance that we've seen of previous weeks. It would have been really easy for them to, you know, you play to the level that you're playing against sometimes. It would have been easy for them to take a foot off the pedal, but no, they absolutely went for it. And I think the really big thing is that I was really strong on heading into this season and during Richmond season last year was especially going forward. What movement was there? Who was, you know, making space for someone else to lead for the ball or who was doing this or that. And it just wasn't happening. Whereas this year we're absolutely seeing that. And we've got to highlight Courtney Wakefield, who was yet again, a standout in this game. She had a career high 12 disposals and a career high three contested marks. She kicked two goals and she had another career high five score involvements. So she in the forward half is their rock. She's the one that works the hardest. She's the one that's doing a lot of that stuff. And I don't think a lot of the other scores would happen if it weren't for her, let alone the goal she's kicking. So I think Courtney Wakefield is the big one. And then at the other end of the ground, Harriet Cordner was immense. Um, she was also just pushing really high up the field and, and putting a lot of pressure on Geelong to yeah. kind of get over the back, which she didn't allow. She had 16 disposals, eight marks, seven intercepts, four score involvements. And what I think was most important was that she used the ball at 81% efficiency. So not only was she getting a lot of the ball, but she was using it beautifully to set them up out of defense. So I think those are the two keys, one at each end of the ground that was were really important for them. And again, it's the chemistry. Not to not to compare to the men's, because I hate it when people do that in the women's, but I'm going to. I got I, I'm starting to get a little bit of that feeling that I had and probably do have with um, Grimes in the back line and before with rants in the back line for Richmond, that knowing that they're just there, they're going to mark it, they're going to do what they need to with it. Like I, I look at Harriet now in the same way. She's just so She's reliable. reliable. Yeah. And and the player that you could compare her to in the women's, which I think there's a few people in this live that are going to have a go at me for this. So go for it. I don't care. Um, Stacey Livingston. I think mm. that is a really good comparison right now. The way they play, the way they set up and the way they – launch attack out of defense it's hugely important for the team and I'm really loving what Corden is able to do I'm um, I understand now why you um, made a face when I gave you my three two ones earlier but we'll get to that in a second no <laughs> that's not it that's not even it um I should also flag before we talk about that too much more I've been really getting under on a skin uh this week every time she says something to me um, I just say, okay, and it mm. makes her feel really uncomfortable. So sorry, Rana, I'm not judging you. I'm just absorbing the information. <laughs> I give you my three, two, ones and you, I just get a, okay. <laughs> and I know, oh, I didn't get that right at all. You're going to sound <laughs> no. like such a dumbass when we do this. <laughs> That's okay. It's all good. Um, we've got a few comments here. Harriet was amazing. Such a gun. Absolutely. Um we're going to talk about Geelong in a second. Um, Loz should have known that I'd get emotional again listening to this. I'm I'm still emotional about this win and it's so bizarre. Like it really felt like a grand final win, which is not what you want. It's probably not the attitude we should have to this win, but 
it just was like a dam. It felt like a bit of a dam wall kind of lifting or whatever that phrase is. Um, and we can kind of now move on and actually just start building. Um, mm. Jeff Matho is saying, I'm not going to cope if we wait much longer to talk about Ali. Okay, yes, let's quickly do. <laughs> um, let's just, just your quick take on Ali McKenzie. Well, I mean, she should have had a Rising Star nomination already. Let's just say that really quickly. What is going um, on? Why hasn't she? So I tweeted this. Some of some of the people in this might have already seen this. I tweeted that, and let's get the exact thing up so I read it word for word. Um, Ellie McKenzie had seven running bounces in that win. The bounce record heading into the season was five. And at the time of this game, it mm. had been broken three times this season. And we'll get to it, but it's for now been broken four times this season. But she had seven running bounces. I think that is a really good indicator of how confident she is. She's got the confidence from the club, but also within herself, to take off and run down the field, take those bounces. She has the agility to evade, but also the strength to break tackles. She hits the scoreboard. She's scary good, and she's in her fifth game. Um, Why doesn't she already have a Rising Star nomination? It's making me mad. I agree. It is making me mad. Who do we have to talk to about that? Nab? <laughs> to like, um, should I call I the national I, I actually don't know who. Kevin, what's his name? Does he do them? Hart. No, Nadine, what? tell us. <laughs> yes, Nadine. She's not going to come back now that we're bagging the Rising Star nomination. Sorry, Nadine. We just we had a good chat today. It's fine. Ali McKenzie should have one. Uh, <laughs> let's keep going. Uh, we do need to talk about Geelong. So how worried should we be? What is going on there? Because I could. See, it was really strange to watch the Cat supporters just kind of like slump a bit throughout as that game went on. Meg McDonald is by far their best player, I think and really carrying a huge load but I don't understand I honestly don't know what they can do from here it just looked like they were just as connected as as Richmond felt it looked the opposite for Geelong yes thank you Nadine I appreciate that response there's a few people on the rising star committee and shifter is one of them so there you go um so hopefully we see an Ellie McKenzie nomination this week uh, Geelong. Yes, I think the opposite is true of Geelong. So as we talked about um, Richmond B having that chemistry, working for one another now, which was an issue last year, I think Geelong are facing that now. They're not working for one another. They're very much playing, um, you know, for themselves in a way and, and not in a selfish way, but in a self-preservation way. Um, I was watching with someone on Friday night and the first thing I said at the end of the game was that uh, Geelong are playing like Melbourne's men's team did during, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017, where, you know, it's just if you get the ball, just hand pass it off so you're not the one that gets tackled with it, even if it's to one a teammate that's one metre away that's also under the same amount of pressure you are. It's just panic mode the whole time because mm. there's just – it's just stressful. It's worth noting that Olivia Purcell, who it has been confirmed she did her ACL, which is awful um, – she played 26% of game time. So just over a quarter of the game time, she had equal most clearances on the ground. So right. okay. it's very much mean? as well. I think it's a case of there aren't enough contributors through 
the ground for them. You know, we talk about Meg Mac having the pressure on her in defence and having to do a lot of that job and how the margin would have been bigger if it weren't for her. You know, in the middle of the ground, who's the one stepping up? Amy McDonald has stepped up this year. Olivia Purcell being down, that's a really, really big concern. And then you look forward and it's Phoebe Williams or no one. Mm. So Phoebe Williams is always outnumbered. So there's just not enough contributors, I think, is a big issue as well. Ginger Nut is saying so many kicks directly to the opposition by Geelong. It's so painful to watch. Yeah, we it could was. say that about a few teams this weekend, though. <laughs> yeah, so we um, let's get can, to that eventually. As we can, injuries too. Lots of injuries. Yeah. Um, let's get your 3-2-1 for this game. I had, although I want to change it now, but I had Conti 3, Wakefield 2 and Brennan 1. Let me say this. I have to, I feel like I have to give Conti a three because she not only like she brings it every week. I know she has to, she has to have a lot of disposals. It's just her role, but um, she just shone for me as she always does. I do want to say something about Wakefield. She was crying at the end of the game. Like a lot of them were, and that broke me. It just seeing her, her eyes like red from crying I just thought oh and then Brennan I felt like just stepped up again like another year um this game as she has been building as well and I just thought you know what you led your team this week so I want to give you a note (laughs) I think I think the listeners that are live right now should uh tell Rana to have a bit more confidence in herself and not to feel like she's wrong every time she has an opinion. <laughs> I um, know. That's just you're just, just justifying life, yourself. You don't need to. Life advice for me, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so I gave one to Mon Conti. She had 27 disposals, four inside 50s and three score involvements. So out of the middle, there are others doing a lot of work helping her now, but out of the middle, she's the one that's actually getting into an attacking position. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Kel. Um, <laughs> I've given two to, two to Harriet Cordner uh, yes. for all the reasons I said previously. <laughs> and I've given three to Courtney Wakefield for all the re- things we've said previously. Thank you. Oh, I'm coming. You guys are great. I was going to say I'm coming <laughs> back next week. <laughs> I have to be back next Please week. Please don't leave me. <laughs> all right. I feel like I could filibuster this whole episode with Richmond chat but for everybody else's sake I won't we will move on let's talk about Western Bulldogs versus GWS on Saturday at Witten Oval we finally got some interstate travel um, to Victoria Western Bulldogs beat the Giants 7547 to 3-4-22 oh my gosh the dogs are just so fun to watch I just like I have a smile on my face when I watch them play and it's just delightful. I feel like um, West, the West Wing fans will know this quote. Dogs have the big mo, which is <laughs> momentum. Um, and <laughs> I'm starting to be like scared of them actually because they are so joyous. They are so together and connected on field and off field. Uh, and they just um, are sublime to watch. I'm interested in your thoughts because I want to know if the travel affected GWS at all. Um, but let's talk about the dogs first. They just seem 
so uh like i said so connected but they seem to have quite a few options too yes the thing that really stood out has been standing out to me and in this game as well um in terms of the dogs is that they found a number of reliable avenues to goal which i don't know that they had consistently last year too good got injured mcleod was kind of their only forward nell morris dalton wasn't getting a game huntington was playing in defense they just and i mean blackburn wasn't kicking goals they just didn't have all of that flexibility whereas this year they absolutely do so heading into 2021 huntington had kicked five goals in her career so far this year, she's kicked nine goals, and I, that included three against the Giants. So yeah. her move forward has been masterstroke because it's not just her in the forward line, but it's her getting up out of that forward 50 and being a link in there as well. So it's not just what she does in there, but it's how she gets the ball in there as well. And then Bonnie Toogood, um, she, her previous season best goals – um, was in 2018 where she kicked five. She's already kicked five this year, including two in this game. And then Kirsten McLeod was the same. So in 2020, Kirsten McLeod kicked five. She kicked one against the Giants, and now she's equaled her career uh, season best as well. So it's all these players that are putting it together in in a kind of a few weeks mm. that's really showing what they've been building towards, and that's what the dogs have been all about especially since Nathan Burke took over is what are you building to not what can you do tomorrow but what are you building to and we're seeing it out there um this year they're averaging almost 10 points a game more than they did last year as well as two more scoring shots a game than they did last year so they are significantly more potent than we saw last year and it's off the back of what they built then the structures that they put in place the kind of footy they wanted to play but it didn't always work mm. and now you add on to that with you know a Katie Lynch into the back line that allows Huntington to play forward the class of a Jess Fitzgerald the, another year in Gabby Newton all these players and then you add again Ellie Blackburn in the form that she's in it's just all of it is lined up but all of it is work that began 18 24 months ago. So that's what's really important yeah. to note about the dogs. Uh, yeah, and I think you can't discount um, an inform Ellie Blackburn. The idea of Izzy Huntington playing in defence now seems so bananas to me. It just, I, I kind of can't believe that happened. Uh, let's talk about the Giants. Um, they, It felt like their skills were letting them down. And can you tell me a little bit about, the uncontested possessions. I've written that here, but I can't remember what I wanted to ask you about that. So <laughs> again, the sun Sorry. has fried my brain today and I've written, let's talk about it, but I can't remember what we wanted to talk about. So you asked me about uncontested possessions of the dogs and I told you, and then you didn't write it down. So I've just looked it up again. So, um, the dogs won the uncontested ball 120 to GWS is 97. So the dogs got yes. control of the ball on the outside. Um, the Giants love the contest, but the problem is you can't win footy just by winning it at the contest. You need to be able to control it on the outside, and they just couldn't do that. I think it's their skills that are letting them down in this respect because mm. they do have a couple of ball users like Al Bennett's, who I think went at 92% this week, that use the ball really well, but then the others just aren't hitting those targets. And it's usually players who get a lot of the ball that aren't quite doing it. So we love mm. Elise Parker. I think she's amazing. 
but too, more often than not, she misses those targets. So it doesn't quite put it into the advantage of her teammate. And it just slows that play down. It allows time for the opposition to get in there. We saw the dogs use the pressure last week against Melbourne and do it really well. We know that they can pressure. We know that they can spread really well, as in they can all converge and then spread really quickly. They were doing that against the Giants, but the Giants being that maybe that one bit of polish away from Melbourne, it they didn't have to do as much pressuring because mm. the Giants were putting themselves in that position so then they could just take advantage on the outside and do it that way, if that made sense the way yes, I said that. it does. Andy's saying doggies kicking straight, putting teams away, um, kind of to your point just there. Um, D Barry, of course, Barry Cal's mentioning, I mean, heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. Um, I love Dee Barry. I actually think I tweeted about her. I felt like she was... You know, she doesn't get the accolades, but I think she's so useful and important. Her, She's, you know, got those quick hands and um, she's really efficient and I love her the way she plays and I was so sad to see her injured. Hoy. You never want to see someone do an ACL, especially when you know how it feels. So I oh. do feel for them. Yes, it's not, it's it's the least fun injury you'll have. Oh, our love to you, Deanna Berry. Uh, my three, two, three, two ones for this game were Huntington three, two good yes. two and Beeson one. Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry. <laughs> <I can't laughs> See what I mean? That this is the response. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, um, I gave Kirsty Lamb one because as much as we love what Ellie Blackburn does in the midfield and all of the flashy stuff she does and how important she is, I think she couldn't do a lot of what she does if it weren't for the hard work Kirsty Lamb puts in. Kind of like what you're saying about Dee Barry, what she sets up is really important. Mm. Um, two to Ellie Blackburn for the reasons I just said. Um, and then three to Izzy Huntington. I think she is a credit to the game, the league, her team. I just... She's an admirable person um, and she's also really good at footy. So, you know, one of the best. I said it, I think, in the first episode of this that I think there will be a statue of Izzy Huntington at some point. Hopefully. Might be 50 years down the track, but I think there will be and I'd love to see it. Um, Nadine, make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Nadine. (laughs) Nadine works at the AFL, by the way, if people are interested (laughs) as to why we are just relentlessly trolling poor Nadine. (laughs) This coffee is making me burp. I'm so sorry. Okay, let's move on to Frio versus Brisbane on Saturday. Fremantle, oh my goodness, the streak is over. They went down to Brisbane Lions, 1-8-14 to Brisbane's 3-7-25. Were you shocked? Um, yes and no. So going into this game, if if anyone heard the preview, you'll have heard me say that A, Brisbane are conceding the lowest scoring accuracy of any team. So teams aren't scoring accurately against them. Mm-hmm. And B, Fremantle were averaging the most scoring shots a game. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Frio kicked one eight fourteen, which is a magic number for me this weekend, um, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't surprise me. Mm. What surprised me about this was that Brisbane were able to score late in that last quarter mm-hmm. because 
the thing. <laughs> Sorry, I just read Mal's comment. The thing about Fremantle and the reason they've been so good for so long. Um. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just Let me read the quote, the, the question. <laughs> For listeners, uh, Mal is saying she's, uh, as a diehard Frio supporter, she's still upset. And she's saying, Rana, can you please have a chat to my best friend, Trent, about goal-kicking practice? Trent Cooper, I commiserations, wasn't your day? Uh, <laughs> there is absolutely no wisdom I could pass on to you. Um, and your immense footy brain. I'm sure you're all over it and you'll be back with the vengeance next week. It really is. I mean, I forget that there are people like Trent Cooper who do listen to us and it really makes me a little bit sick in my stomach that he's hears my takes on footy. <laughs> that is so free mental. <laughs> um yeah, the thing that has always made them so great, I've calmed down now after that comment from Mel. Um, the thing that has always made them so good was that they didn't give up. They they would run over you towards the end of games. Mm. The fact that the Lions were able to score that last goal and put it completely out of reach, that to me was the surprising part. So I think that will be the thing they're looking at more than anything is how did the Lions go with them the whole four quarters right till the very last siren. That'll mm. be the thing. Um, we, there was a lot of talk about Brisbane uh, having not played, you know, formidable sides up until this round and that this would be a chance for them to prove themselves. In your mind, did they? I mean, yeah, but there was that talk about Fremantle before they played Adelaide. There was that talk about Adelaide before they played Brisbane. So all of them have beat one of those sides. Mm. I think that all three of them are still very good sides. Like, I wouldn't, if I were a Freer fan, I wouldn't be worried looking at this and being like, oh, well, that's all over. No premiership mm. for us. Absolutely not. Because that's what Adelaide would have done two weeks ago if that were the case and what Brisbane would have done two weeks ago. So I think it's uh, three weeks ago for Adelaide, sorry. So I think it's just maybe this is the loss Freer needed to get a kick in the ass almost. Absolutely. Um, well, this might yeah. mean that, yeah, they go on to destroy everything. Exactly, which they absolutely can. I want to ask you something um, statty, <laughs> which is not like me, but statty. I flagged with statty, yeah. Um, I'm a stat man. Um, <laughs> ignore that. That was terrible. Are you referencing scat man? Yeah, I did. And then I, that, my mind just went to a different place. Anyway, we'll move on. Um I want to talk about the inside forward forward 50 tackles, 21 to 6. Yeah, that what? was something that... <laughs> Go on. Yeah, so Brisbane, Brisbane won it 21 to 6. So yes. that was the thing that Brisbane did really well was, I mean, Courtney Hodder in your forward 50 will help with that as well. I think she had six tackles from memory. Um, the forward pressure from Brisbane was outstanding. I think Dakota Davidson also had six tackles. So this is the thing, it's... It, everyone's kind of getting on that bandwagon of making sure they trap it in, create as many repeat opportunities as they can. Mm. Freer weren't able to do that at the other end. It's also worth noting that this is just the second time in AFLW history that Kiara Bowers hasn't been the leading tackler or the equal leading tackler on the field. The only, because Ali Anderson had nine and Mm -hmm. Kiara Bowers had eight. The only other time that that has happened 
was round two, 2019, also against the Lions. I just right. thought that was fun. That is fun. See, yeah. stats are fun. See? Maths That's is why fun. I look at them all day. <laughs> um, you've got a little note here that says this game re- reminded you a little bit of Western Bulldogs versus Melbourne. Eerily similar and frustrating. Yes, frustrating. Again, that was last week's buzzword. Continues to be. <laughs> um, just the pressure on the ball. So Brisbane played the role of Western Bulldogs. Freo played the role of Melbourne. Um, pressure at the ball, pressure at the ball, pressure at the player. Force poor ball use. Inaccurate kicking at goal. Bingo, you win the game. I don't know why I said bingo. I'm really sorry. But I loved it. It was <laughs> aptly used. Uh, let's, let's keep tracking on along. Um, I, for my three, two, one, I had Bowers, Hodder, and then Bates, one vote. Yep. You? So I, so I had Sophie Conway with one. I think the role that she played, cause she can cover ground so well. She was playing on the wing, but she was getting back onto the goal line. She took so many marks just on the goal line that otherwise would have gone through for goals for Frio. And mm-hmm. I think that was massively important for the momentum of the game in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, two to Ali Anderson, again, I think her ball use could be improved, but her pressure around the ball, the nine tackles, and she did get a lot of the ball as well. I think she was great. And then three to Emily Bates. This is the best game I've seen Emily Bates play probably in a couple of years. Wow. I hear your um, takes on the games and I think, what the hell was I watching? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like an after, and then I hear you and I go, yeah, actually that probably was what was happening. <laughs> oh, sigh. Anyway, let's move on. This was a really interesting game. Uh, North Melbourne versus Carlton, Saturday night, North Melbourne beat Carlton 9 to 6 To me, it seemed like North were all over it, had more of the ball, controlled the ball better. Did that show up in the stats? Yeah. So shall we talk about uncontested possession, Rana? Yes, please. <laughs> I would love to. It's my favourite stat at the moment. It is. Um, so North won the uncontested possession 166 to 119. Every time they've won the uncontested possession this year, they've won the game. Um, Mm. Every time they've lost it, they've lost the game. So last week they had 101 to um, Collingwood's 174, lost the game. Previous week they had 76 to Melbourne's 109, lost the game. Week before, 113 to 109, they won. Um, Week before, 142, they had over 103. um, Geelong, that was Geelong. So... They want to control the ball on the outside. If you stop mm. them from being able to do that, you are able to stop um, stop any sort of positive ball movement from them. And I think you tweeted at me during this game. Mm. Um, what was it? Uh, shut, um, it- shut it down in the centre and um, North Beat can't North win. Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's worth noting that, North kicked those first two goals quite quickly. I think within the first two and a mm. half minutes of the game, and then there was a there was a, it was quite um, stagnant in terms of scoring until midway through the second quarter. Yeah. If if you look at what Carlton did after that first two and a half minutes, they really did shut down in the middle. 
Mm. Um, and North couldn't get any positive ball movement forward from that. And, but they just couldn't sustain it for long enough. And I think this was the worst possible game for Carlton to be without Maddie Prisparkis. Mm. I think if she was there, it would have been a really different game. So I, I think that it still stands that if you shut North down in the middle or limit what they can do in the middle – you limit them everywhere else on the ground. They just couldn't hold out for long enough, Carlton. Mm. I wonder also how much psychologically, like obviously um, not having Prasparkas makes a huge difference, but it felt like they knew that going into it, like they carried that thought with them um, that they were, you know, had a massive loss, you know, without her. And I felt like they maybe, yeah, struggled with it even before they'd played the game. Uh, I want to ask you a bit about, well, before we do that, there's a, a question here from Cal. Do Carlton have to win the next four games, I guess? I that's meant is, to be games, yeah. And rely on other teams to bomb if they want a sniff of finals now. Yes, what do Carlton have to do? To be really honest, I haven't quite looked uh, at the state of the ladder yet. It'd have to be something around that because, you know, the dogs are probably the team in that top six that not many people expected. Mm. Um, and they probably have kicked Carlton out of there. I mean, anything could happen. Uh, and I don't want to say anything to uh, set in stone there. So I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> You're going to hedge your bets. We can't go past this game without talking about Jasmine Garner, who is just incredible. I, okay, so I say this all the time. Jasmine Garner is freaking amazing. And can we please give her some more respect? Because she she had 32 disposals in this game, which is her career high. Seven marks, 19 contested possessions, four inside 50s, nine clearances, another career high, seven score involvements, 335 metres gained and a goal. So she's now kicked six goals this year, I want to say. Her career high is eight from last season, but she's already surpassed each of her first three um, seasons for goals kicked while playing in the midfield. Two years in a row. Do you think we're not giving Jazzy Garner enough respect collectively? No, I don't think people do. Because who has talked about her in the in the context of the MVP. People mm. have said Bowers, people have said Parker, people have said Prosparkus until she got suspended, people Blackburn. have said Phillips, Blackburn. Mm. No one has said Jasmine Garner, but Jasmine Garner has had just as much of an impact on her team's fortunes or trying to pull a team out of a tricky situation as much as those others have. Mm. I want to examine that a little bit more, but... I will do it at a later time and maybe off air because I have some theories. Uh, um, Let's get your (laughs) three, two, ones. I had Ghana for three, of course. Carney at two. She's just um, formidable. And I put Stevens for one. I had almost had Darcy Vessio because I thought Darcy really stood up for her team in a losing side as well. But Nick Stevens had a cracker of a game, I thought. She kicked a few goals as well. Hmm. Um, so I've given one to Ash Riddell. Her tenacity maybe is the word in the middle is really fun. And also she's really good at footy. Um, two to Emma Carney. We just talked about her. Um, and three, obviously to Jasmine Garner, because I think she's a legitimate star. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Also a statue for her. 
Let's All move on. All the statues. Let's just give everyone maybe just like mini statues so we can fit them and just line them up somewhere <laughs> around oh. Icon Park. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to Adelaide versus St Kilda at Norwood Oval. Adelaide thumped St Kilda 8-13-61 to one two eight. Now I'm going to start with a listener question here. This is from Biscuit Dragon via the Siren Discord. Um, and Biscuit, <laughs> sorry, this is a great name, um, <laughs> is asking what happened in the Saints-Crows game? Every article I read or podcast I listen to suggested a margin of about 15 to 20. Where did we go wrong? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Oh, so many places. Um, so the Saints, I think, need a lot more dare. They try to play so safely. And... Um, Against a team like Adelaide that are so smart and so well-drilled, you're never going to be able to play safe footy against them and come even close to winning. So the Saints kicked their lowest ever score this week after kicking their lowest, previous lowest against North Melbourne in round two. Um, they, they try to go so slowly out of defense. They get the numbers back, they win the turnover, and then they try to you know, take a mark, sit back off their mark, kick along. It's never going to work that way, especially against Adelaide. They needed to have more dare running it out of defense or trying different things. They needed to almost play all or nothing footy and they just weren't willing to do that. And Mm. that's why we got the result that we did. They couldn't contain this Crows forward line that we'll talk about in a moment, but they also just had no, they, they did not look like scoring at all. I think at one point, um, halfway through the game, the Crows had something like, oh, I want to say more than 30 inside 50s and the Saints had had two and the Saints had also had no possessions within their forward 50. So it just, it looked bad from the start and it didn't get any better. I mean, the thing with the Saints, I feel like I jinxed them a little bit because last week I said their song was um, Reach for the Stars and that they were. And this week... According to the commentary, they were constipated. So I don't feel like yeah, I should uh, talk about the music, my music um, picks for every team anymore because um, I don't think I helped at all. I wanted to ask you about Adelaide because they are looking like the Adelaide of 2019 and that is a little bit scary. Yes. So we all know that I have looked at this Adelaide team inside out, this 2019 team, because they were the the most destructive team we've ever seen in the AFLW. And that remains. No other team has come close to scoring as heavily, as consistently, or as well in the AFLW's history. They also haven't found that... No other team has found that defensive lockdown that also complements it. Mm. 
In 2019, when they won that flag, dom- dominant team, they averaged 15.22 scoring shots a game. Um, this year, they're ag- averaging 15.4. So they're averaging more scoring shots a game than they did in that really high scoring season. Their accuracy is the one thing that's keeping them away from the 59 points a game that we saw that year. But mm-hmm. that's a relatively like straightforward fix for them. They had... goal kickers on average that year. At the moment, they're on 4.8, which is still right up there in the upper echelon. So they have every every scoring asset at their disposal. They had another seven individual goal kickers in this game, which is massive. They forced the Saints' defense to really just batten down the hatches. But I think the player I'd really like to talk about didn't actually kick a goal but was so important to their scoring. So Chloe Shear, she didn't kick off, she kicked two behinds, but she had eight score involvements. And we know her kind of as that player that is a big contestant marking forward within the forward 50 who goes back and kicks the goals. But if you remember, right before she did her ACL in that grand final, she took a completely brilliant contestant mark just outside 50 and kicked it directly yeah. to, to Danelle Ponta, who was close to the goal line. Yeah. that's more what they want to use her as because she's the link between mid and forward. She proved in this that she could. She can win clearances. She goes in into the packs, wins clearances. She uses the ball beautifully and she's got that strength. And then she can go up in the air if they need. She can go into the forward line if they need. But with Ash Woodland there now, they don't need that so they can use her higher up the ground. She is she is such, like the missing piece almost for this team. Mm. And it's so fun to watch her play, just not when it's against your team. Mm. Fascinating. I do love that because we do talk all the time about their senior players, but actually there's a whole host of them that are um, bringing this team along. Speaking of which though, I gave um, Aaron Phillips still three (laughs) votes. Um, Charlton two and Marinoff one. Tell me. Yeah, so Charlton kicked um, her first goal ever and then almost immediately kicked her second goal ever yeah. um, in this game. So that's cool. And she, and she uh, was efficient, I thought. Yeah, she was good. She was yeah. good. I'm not disagreeing. <laughs> I'm just I'm sharing. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, I gave one to Erin Phillips because she's Erin Phillips. I gave two to Chloe Shear again because I think she was a really great linking player and the Crows kind of didn't, uh, the Saints didn't really have any answers to what she could do. Um, and then three to Ebony Marinoff. Again, I think we know Ebony Marinoff wins a lot of ball a lot and I think she, oh, Swamp shared something about her being the only player to have 15 games in a row with 20 plus possessions or something. I'll check on that. Sorry, everyone. I um, follow you. I don't follow Swamp, so. I mean, he's worth following. Um, I do. I do follow Swamp, if you're listening. <laughs> he won't listen to this. Um, I promise you he won't. Uh, yeah, so I think she continues to get a lot of ball, which we know she can do, but I think she used it a lot better than um, she has in the past. And I just really enjoyed what she did in in a really good team. I think she was a standout. Chewy, all the way from the United States of America, is saying it's an odd numbered year. Of course, Adelaide are a monster again. That's the kind of stat I'm for and can understand in my head. Absolute irrational <laughs> reasons why the- football teams are good or bad. <laughs> I think the Randall and Phillips factor has more to do with it, if I'm honest. But 
I don't know. It's that odd number, Gemma. <laughs> I was like that with the swans for a long time and then 2016 happened and my spirit was broken. Yeah, let's not talk about 2016. Although, <laughs> can I just say, somebody pointed out something and this is just me being absolutely full of myself. 2016, Western Bulldogs win a premiership. Rana volunteers at Western Bulldogs doing a, like three episodes of a podcast that didn't take. 2017, Rana starts at Richmond Football Club. They win three out of four, <laughs> three premierships in four years. Just saying. I mean, there's no, so there's you, nothing else after that. So, <laughs> so you're the reason I was sad in 2016. Is that what you're telling me? Yes, it was me. <laughs> nice to meet you, Gemma. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough of that silliness. Let's talk about this heartbreaker. Speaking of you being sad, <laughs> Collingwood versus Melbourne today at Victoria Park. We were both there, but on opposite sides of the ground. Collingwood well and truly ran over Melbourne 7749 to Melbourne's 1814. Again, that scoreline. Oh, let's start with a question from actually, no, let's not start with those questions. I want to start with my own question. Uh, this was they were this were these were two really evenly matched teams going into this game. And I thought it would be more of a contest and it felt very one way. But then you look at the stats and it was a lot, the stats are really even actually. What is going on there? Um, me being sad is what's good. No, uh, <laughs> the only thing Collingwood really dominated statistically in this game other than the scoreboard was the contested ball, which they, they won 102 to 88 and their goal accuracy, which is 46.7 to 10. So it was just, you know, Collingwood took their chances when they had the ball. They used the ball better and hit the scoreboard. So Malloy kicked three goals, Davey kicked two. They were mostly out of nothing plays, really. And and that's not me having a go at anyone. It's just there were stoppages in the forward line. They managed to cleanly get it out and have the shot. Hmm. Melbourne weren't able to do that. That's pretty much what it came down to in the end. It just felt like that Melbourne side we saw against North Melbourne in that amazing game, the last two games I haven't seen that um, confidence or bravery, I feel like, in this team. And it, again today it just felt like they were tentative and Collingwood are riding this momentum and clearly just have such belief within them. Yeah, so I've written that um, Melbourne feel gun-shy. So no one wants to be the one to take the shot. Uh, there mm. were, I think Melbourne, Melbourne won the marks inside 50, I think 10 to 7 or something. Yeah, they um, did. They created the opportunities for themselves, but then the person that took the mark didn't want to be the one to have the shot. So they tried to pass it off. Then the ball was turned over. It came straight back out and Collingwood would, would inevitably score. And it was just... I, I use the word again. It was frustrating because it was just like have like back yourself in because you do have the talent, um, but they just weren't willing to. And I was with Lucy Race. I should point out that every time I go and see Melbourne play with Lucy Race, Melbourne kicks one eight fourteen um, and loses the game. So thank you, Lucy. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, such no, good luck in her. every other way. <laughs> just, I know. I shouldn't. I shouldn't ask too much. Day. 
<laughs> but um, the the whole having confidence thing. Sorry, before you yes, jump on no, no, that, go is for it. Co- Collingwood's defensive structure requires you to not kick long, but to run the ball through and run in waves. Melbourne have done that this season. They've done well doing that this season. They just seemed to, I think last week really shook them. They lacked the confidence to be able to do that. So they just started kicking long. Again, what every team has done against Collingwood this year, kick long, you kick directly to Livingston and it comes straight back out. And it's just like that never ending cycle of frustration. Um, yeah, it's that's what it felt like. It, the Melbourne that we saw that was confident would have been willing to run that ball, mm. and they just weren't. That sort of answers Cal's question about um, the D's looking like they were rattled by the Pies' pressure. But again, like it, it is so strange to look at those stats and really not see that much discrepancy. So from a pressure point of view, it doesn't look like they were laying more tackles, that many more tackles or anything. But watching the game being live, it did feel like Collingwood we're just at them all the time. Andy is mm. asking, who would you put in the All-Australian, Livingston or Schleicher? I mean, they'd both be in the squad. Mm. Um, I say that because I haven't looked at what other defenders I'd want to put in there yet. So they'd both be in the squad is my answer. Harriet Cordner. I, I mean, yes. <laughs> yes. I just spent how long raving about her? <laughs> Got a little no, badge up there. No, not enough. <laughs> not enough. Uh, um, look, we better get your three, two, ones for this game. Uh, I do want to shout out the fact, though, that um, the D's ran out to their theme song sung in what I assume is Wurundjeri um, language, and it was beautiful. And I just want yep. to see that more and more. I hope I should it say that. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. I should say that Lucy started crying when that happened. Um, and I, I felt very too. uncomfortable. So, uh. <laughs> You're so lucky that I didn't have my credit and I couldn't sit with both of you because I was also crying. So you would have had both of us. You could have either side. cried together and I could have been <laughs> separate. But yeah, I felt Lucy and yeah. I are very similar in that way. And I sent her a text message with a lot of crying emojis. because I-, I saw that as well. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> It was emotional. Um uh, okay, let's get your three, two, ones. Malloy, I had Malloy three, Davy two, and Benici one. And we said that Benici's racking up the points on our on our score sheet here. Yeah, so I need to tally up our votes at this stage and post the leaderboard right now. I've just been a little bit busy, but I will get that up um, this week. And I would assume that Benici would be leading it based on what we've voted. Um, I gave Benici one again, run rate, her delivery inside 50, brilliant. Two to Malloy um, and then three to Brown and Davey because Davey is just a freak in a good way. Explosive when you see her playing on the ground you're just like who is that flash you can't Amazing. actually one person was able to tackle her and would you believe it it was tyler hanks <laughs> yes i do I, I i felt like tyler hanks was okay today paxman mm-hmm. was off um Fumbly. yeah and it was i was it was heartbreaking to see actually hope they get their confidence back i really want to see a strong d's next round uh, so one <laughs> one more game, West Coast versus Gold Coast. I watched some of this on my way home from Victoria Park at my favourite ground to say Mineral Resources Park. I don't know why. It's just such a random name for a stadium. Um, 
I oh we didn't even get to um I didn't ask the questions did I oh shoot no can we rewind just a little bit to poor Cal and Loz's questions well we probably don't need to ask Cal's about Brie Davy because we've already talked about how she's amazing yes um and I think she's probably very much up there Loz's question off the siren discord is North firing Scott Gowans the best thing to have happened to Collingwood? Is he is he the reason? Is he the difference? I don't think he's the reason, but I think he's very helpful. Because, I mean, no, um, Collingwood were on this upward tra- trajectory last year. They've just managed to maintain it. I think Gowans, he's in charge of the midfield. Yes. Which is the way that they're beating teams. So he's he's a big factor. But I think there's a lot of reasons. So I think Steve Simons is obviously another big reason. Scott Gowans, I would love to speak to him. So uh, if you're listening, Scott, hit me up. I'd love to have a chat. <gasps> we can make that happen. <laughs> we can absolutely make that happen. Um, okay, let's move on to this last game. West Coast's first win for the season, which is exciting. Um, thriller from the scoreboard scoreboard point of view. West Coast beat Gold Coast five four thirty four to four nine thirty three. Uh, any thoughts on this game in particular? We do have a question from Mal, um, but I wanted to hear hear your thoughts first. Yeah, so I think we've got to talk about Michaela Bowen. Obviously, I think she was. She has been outstanding for them for a long time and she really rose to the top in this game. I think good things happen for the Eagles when the ball is in her hand. She um, kicked a goal. She had 21 touches, seven marks, nine bounces. So, you know, at the very start of this episode, I talked about Ellie McKenzie having seven. Yes. And how last year, the record coming into this season had been broken three times by, like, Ellie McKenzie was the third. Michaela Bowen is the fourth. So we've had Belinda Smith have 11 bounces in a single game. We've had Gemma Houghton have 10. We've now had Michaela Bowen have nine and Ellie McKenzie have seven. That is crazy. Um, She had four inside 50s, three clearances and 389 metres gained. Keeping in mind that Ashley McCarthy and Dana Hooker were out of this. Mm. So I I called in in the preview for an outside mid, an outside runner to really step up because that's what this game needed. And... Bowen, weirdly, out of the half-back line was that player and she was brilliant to watch. It was it was a joy. And it, the Eagles kicked their highest score in their history as well. I was really happy for them, to be honest. I know they've struggled and they're another new team, so I, I really like, like it when they get up. Uh, you also had a few things you wanted to say about Alison Drennan. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> that you've just given up on the segues for this one. You're just like, okay, this was a point you made. (laughs) It's good. I like it. No, I genuinely like it. So Ali Drennan, um, she allows Jamie Stanton to sneak forward, which was really important in this game. Um, Once Sarah Perkins went off, Sarah Perkins went off with a knee just before halftime, I think, for the Suns. Um, Jamie Stanton kind of became their most likely scorer um, going from the middle, kind of like what... um, what Aaron Phillips does, which is start in the middle and sneak forward. Jamie Stanton was playing that, but she kicked one three, so she couldn't quite do it for them, but she had the right idea. She couldn't do that if it weren't for Ali Drennan. 
Ellie Jernan had nine contested possessions, 11 tackles, three inside 50s and four clearances. So she was really doing a lot of the heavy lifting in there. But the other one um, that I'd like to speak about very briefly, I promise, Madison Levi. She's growing each game. She debuted in round one, hasn't missed since. Her forward pressure is really important. So she's a big key forward that also chops out in the ruck. But her tackling is outstanding. She had another six tackles. I think she had six last week as well, or four last week. Um, and four four of those were inside 50. So keeping that pressure on inside 50 was important. She just needs a bit more polish when she uses the ball. So she kicked three behinds. I think she kicked one out on the full as well. But if she can clean up that that polish after winning those free kicks and after creating those opportunities, she's going to be so powerful for them up forward. And it's really exciting. She just needs that last little bit to go right. Uh, I want to go back to your, the, that stutter about the bounces. Um, yes. That was just, a long I'm time a big, ago now. I know. Sorry. <laughs> it just came to me. It, I wanted to say before no, and no, then no, I got distracted. Um, to me, it's just one of those stats that, is um, evidence of that thing that we've all been talking about in terms of the younger players coming through and their skills being much better and um, they're just slicker. And it's like, I feel like, you know, that stat that you keep kind of updating is just proof that um, this game is now taking that next step up and it's just going to get better and better. Um, And so we see records broken, you know, multiple times in a round because, the new players coming through are just excellent. Anyway, I know you yeah. all know that, but I just had to say my piece. No, of course. <laughs> uh, we'll get your three to actually, no, we won't get your three to ones. I want to get to this question um, from Mal. So she says, how often does the runner get penalized in the game? Um, in this game, the runner almost cost the Eagles the game. It was a close one. We did see it. I saw it. I remember last week, Richmond Carlton, there was a similar um, penalty paid. What are your thoughts? Yeah. You don't see it that often. I, I think it, it seemed obvious because it did happen last weekend. But other mm. than that, um, we haven't seen it a lot. So I don't think it's something to worry about too much. I think communication is still something that needs um, improvement in the women's game. And we go back to talking about Geelong and all that. That's the next level up in the level of professionalism. And that includes the runners. Mm. I wouldn't worry too much about it. Awful would you feel though, if you were that runner? Well, I mean, at least I wasn't in a grand final. Yes, this is true. Which we've seen happen. (laughs) Three, two, ones. I had Bowen um, for all the reasons you've already mentioned. Swanson two and Collier one. How about you? Yeah, so I've given one to Bella Lewis because I think her ability to clear the ball, where, especially without Hooker or McCarthy there, was really important. So Lewis at the contest was great. Two to Lauren Ahrens because her work in defence mm. really did keep the Suns in it when they weren't scoring. Yeah. Um, she's been really good this year again. And then three to Bowen. We've talked about her at, at length. Yeah. She's really spectacular, yeah. Yeah, Ahrens was on. Oh, sorry, I just kicked it. The stand, Irons is on my list as well. Lou Creaves is asking, on records being broken, how long do you think until a player kicks more than seven? I don't know that it's going to be that far away. Um, no. I'd say that the person most likely to do it is probably Aaron Phillips, um, but I wouldn't put it past someone like a... Dakota Davidson to step up and just have a game that just blows everyone away because and the reason I say Dakota Davidson is because I think 
again, her work rate, her efforts without the ball creates opportunities with the ball. And I just mm. love everything she does. Like the fact that she, I think it was a f- – did she kick a goal this week? She, her first week without a goal this season. But yeah. the fact that she still laid six tackles within inside 50 to – on the ground to keep that pressure on, create more opportunities. I think she's an outstanding player and I know we've talked a lot about her, but still not enough because I just love her. Um, And we've got Paul Alex Woodward in that grand final, which we were referencing before. And, oh, my God, Dakota kicking a bag would be incredible. It absolutely would be. Shout out to VFLW, uh, which is on this weekend. Plenty more of that to come, which is exciting. And we were saying earlier that we're not looking forward to AFLW ending, but at least we do. We will have a few rounds of VFLW to continue with. So um, that's exciting. And to see um, the likes of Essendon now with the women's side is kind of some kind of feeling. I was just like, oh, it's happening. We could, we'll get there. Essendon's had a few of their VFLW players snapped up by clubs around the country, AFLW clubs. So um, similar to Hawthorne, they are doing well to nurture that talent. And, you know, we've got to shout out the Swans Girls Academy that had a number of exhibition matches for their under-17s and under-19s. And I think they've got one more set to go down in Geelong uh, soon. So that's really exciting. And they've done a really good job to live stream those and really promote those. So I know it seems like I'm, I'm a Sydney apologist right now, but I think it's really exciting that they're doing a lot to grow the talent before um, putting the hand up for a team. So they know that they can do it the right way. And, and that is really encouraging to me. It's really important to get your foundations right. And it is hard to not have a team um, in the AFLW, but I think yeah, you'd rather a te- your team come in with a solid foundation than just um, feel the side and it build it haphazardly as you go. Anyway, um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. Any any other thoughts on this round? I mean, I loved I loved all the Indigenous round jumpers. I really hope. Speaking of pathways, that this round is not just a round that we continue to honour. Indigenous women in AFLW as well and, you know, really centre Indigenous women's voices, which we saw over this weekend and I was really thrilled to see that. Uh, But I just am desperate to see some solid pathways for Indigenous girls into AFLW. I just don't understand why we didn't build it that way and I want to see that talent come through and really be really well supported. So let's keep asking for it, I think. We should um, mention that Courtney Hodder is a player that was found through the Indigenous All-Stars. And if that's the kind of talent that's coming through, then there should absolutely be more attention paid to it. So, I mean, there should be more attention paid to it either way. But, um, yeah, if if clubs are seeing what Courtney Hodder can do um, and, get it, and Danielle Ponter, what they can do, then I think there should be, yeah, definitely more investment there. Totally. Here, here. Well, I think that's it. I think we did that a lot more snappily than we did. I don't know that we did. (laughs) Not sure that that's true. Yeah, we're getting there. Um, Of course, if you are watching and you want to listen to this all over again, um, you can catch it on uh, if you search for Play on Radio, wherever you find your podcasts. Julia and Gemma will also be previewing next round, whose fixture has dropped, right? 
Yes, so it came out on Saturday. Yes. I lack the fan that I am only looked at who Richmond's playing. And I'll be honest, was like, oh, no. <laughs> Damn, we're playing North Melbourne. <laughs> but at Punt Road, so you never know. Let's get a massive crowd to Punt Road Oval. I am Rana Huss on Twitter and Rana B Hussein on Instagram. If you want to talk to me, hit me up. Um, I love interacting with people on social media. Um, so please do. Please reach out. Gemma, where are you on social media? You can find me at GL Bastiani on socials. Uh, and that on Twitter is mostly. Uh, sorry, I've just lost my mind momentarily. Um, yeah, Twitter is the place to find me, GL Bastiani. And sorry to be that person. But if you do like what I do, um, I do have a buy me a coffee set up if you want to shoot me a couple of bucks so that I can keep doing it. Um, that's just buymeacoffee.com slash Gemma Bastiani. So if you can, I'd appreciate it. If you can't, there's no pressure. I feel awkward right now. So there you go. No, don't feel awkward. Someone hire her to be their statistician and make it happen, pay her lots and lots of money because you won't regret it. Not even lots, just enough to live. <laughs> no, lots, shush. <laughs> I'm trying to get you heaps of money here. <laughs> thank you so much everyone thanks for joining us on instagram live and thanks for listening on the podcast uh there's nothing left to say that's another out of sanctum line but play on (laughs) see everyone bye